being discriminated in the workplace revealed this. The same way success looks different for everyone and victory looks different, discrimination comes different and it's so unexpected. And you don't even know when it's about to hit. You don't know what it's going to look like. All you know is when it's there is the violation hits, the the uncertainty hits, and you start wondering what's going to happen. And now you don't only feel vulnerable and exposed, you feel like everything's gonna just crack under pressure. And what will the companies do? They will turn it on you. Because systemic oppression, way it works, is they are protected, way systemically protected. So when it comes to stuff like grooming, policies, things that don't exist, because I never knew prior to growing out my locks, hair discrimination was a thing. Hello everyone, my name is Walt, and I'd like to welcome you to Boss Locks, a show where we are redefining professionalism, elevating black voices, and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, we do this by speaking to black leaders, CEOs, and just some really dope people with interesting perspectives or are doing some incredible things, and we're looking to learn about their personal journey and their experiences working while black. Now, today I have the honor and privilege of speaking to Rival. Rival, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's an honor. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to have you on. I know um, we first connected when I dropped the um, episode with Cleo MCM about hair discrimination. You were kind of sharing a moment that you had and everything and definitely going to touch on that. But, um, you know, for those who don't know, Rival is a creative on a mission to inspire reasons for hope. And he does this through rhythm and poetry to uplift people and speak out against injustices i've gone through to listen to a few of the songs and it's just like it's a real it's a real nice vibe you know some of those like kind of relaxing you got a little hype stuff here it's like you have a nice nice little mix and it's really really looking forward to watch your journey but um i'm curious about what you've gone through so far and i have a bunch of questions to ask you but to start it all off i'm interested um what are three things that most people don't know about you um, well, three things most people don't know about me is my name Rival actually comes from my real name, my first and middle name. So I'll give you the first one, Anthony, which means um, basically like something unlimited that's always ongoing. So like music, rhythm and poetry, right? Um, middle name means like warrior, your opponent. So put it together. You got your rival. Um, second that's thing. No. <laughs> so I'll give him that one. I'm like, oh, second one. I'm from El Paso, also known as Sun City. It's in Texas, 915. Um, super hot. That's why it's called Sun City. It's the city of sun. More sun than any day. Like how you got Alaska that has no sun. We got the sun. That's where it's at. Well, you took all the sun. <laughs> Legit. And um, let's see. I'm also a Air Force veteran. So I was in the military and my dad was in the Army. So something most people don't know looking at me, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, definitely not. Thank you for your service. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Man, that's really cool. So how long were you in the Air Force? About two and a half years. Two and a half years? Nice. Yeah. This is a stationed in El Paso or? Man, I wish. That would have been nice. I almost got that uh, duty station. I was in San Antonio and Vegas. Oh, got to enter. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, my, uh, my dad was in the Air Force and mostly stationed in Charleston, but he... I don't know if it was six months or a little longer, but he spent, he was stationed out in Alaska for a while. And like, I don't know, for me, I feel like if I was put out there, I'd be like, what, Alaska? But he always thought that was like the most beautiful place ever. And now one thing is always like, anytime it's cold, like, I don't like the cold at all. Anytime it's cold, it's like, huh, it's not Alaska cold. You don't know nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
That's, that's an excuse. I was like, I don't think anything gonna be Alaska cold. And if it does, we got some global warming issues. Right. Some real issues. Man. So that's pretty cool. So um what um how long ago were you in the Air Force? Uh, I got out in twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So do you think um well, what kind of led you to wanting to join the Air Force? Um, I was actually living out here in San Diego, working with a lot of youth in the urban community here. Um, I was even um, homeless at one point and working with people in mission. That's like you get really involved in your community, you get to see what it's like living there from concrete streets to just seeing what it's like having a lot. And I realized the one thing that is neglected is youth often don't see that you can you can achieve whatever you try to achieve as long as you just show up and put in the work. So one thing that I do know for sure is kids often always think that they're better than you, no matter what. When the fact that they can see you and you're tangible to them, they think they can defeat you and be better than you. And I want them to know that and and encourage that. So I want to be like, you know what? Use your life to serve others. And I want to show them that. So I was like, look, I had no training, didn't do any exercises, nothing. I think I ran my first 10 miles ever was like the month or so before joining. And I was like, look. I'm going to use my life to serve others just because I know they could see that and be like, well, if he never, I never seen anybody do that. I can go do that. So I went and joined doing that. Um, also to provide for my family and do other things. And it was like, in doing so, I went um, to try special operations, tactical air control party. And so I was just like, Hey, look, you're going to go hard, go super hard and able to accomplish it. And a lot of them able to see me go through that and make it through the hell weeks and make it through the attrition. And so I, I went in to show other kids that it was better to use your life to serve others and I, I really think that was a good look back because now I can look back and be like, bro, you can do it. Not push out stuff. No excuse. You ran 10 right? miles? Yeah, I ran like 10 miles on a beach. At like, it was like a month before I ever joined the military. I was like, you know what? I hear they run a lot. I was like, I got to go get a coach. So I hit up a coach and he took me to the beach. Oh, my goodness. I didn't walk for like the next day. <laughs> oh, my God. And running on the beach, too, is like 10 times harder. We, um... Yeah, I had to do that when I used to play soccer, and that was part of the training thing, running on the beach. Man, that that sucks. That sucks. You did 10 miles? Yeah, he, it was the first day, so I was like, and it was nuts the next one. It gets easier. You get easier. I didn't, I didn't realize it gets easier. Granted, my legs were noodles. I couldn't walk the next day because he had me walk from run from one side to the other, down and back. I don't know what it is about my mindset. It's mindset. It's literally what you think, and that's what I learned no matter what. That marathon continues. Show up and show out. It's not about the strongest, baddest. It's about who really wants and desires. So when I was out there, like, hey, in my heart, when I was training, there was no no option to fail. Like, I had to make it to that other side of the beach. The fact that my legs kept moving, I could make it. So, like, saying it back then, I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Granted, I don't know how I did that with no training prior to, but <laughs> the fact that I did it, now I know, like, I came back from the military, and I see a lot of these kids, like, they're doing well. They're doing great in school, um, getting better grades, doing strong. And it's like, I can't attribute that to me, but I know getting well whenever they fail, they know that they can count on my words and be like, hey, when you hit hard times, resiliency, optimacy, you can actually overcome that. Just use that wisdom that you gained from this loss to learn from it. And that's one thing I definitely learned from that. It's like, so 10 miles before, I know I could do that. Never tried it. I'm a sprinter. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, that is insane. I know um, it's, it's so interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's almost like your, our our own eyes are deceiving. Like me, just okay. Actually, no, I'm going to be really real. I can't do that ten miles. Man. I know that I can run for a good distance, but not ten miles. But I will say that 
there's a lot of things we feel that though we cannot do. Like I remember uh, my friend Chris Bennett, we work out at the gym and you know, I, I did, I felt like I had some good weights going and everything. And he's like, no, nah, put, put this much. I was like, what? Nah, and I didn't, I was just still doing it just as easy. And I was like, Oh my God, like our mind, like just naturally things like, no, I can't do this. Can't do that. But we really can. Like our bodies are pretty amazing. We can do a lot of different things and you are a living proof of that 10 miles without ever running 10 miles before. Facts. It hurt. Don't get through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man. So joined the Air Force, um, with there for two, two and a half years. And when you So w- what is it like when you're leaving the Air Force? Are you usually given the opportunity to continue going or like what what was that process like? Um, everybody's process is different. Um everyone has a different life. Like my dad was in the army twenty five years, he did his life. Everyone goes through their own journey. My process getting out, it was um, pretty smooth. It was transitional for me. I had great commanders. I had great staff. I had great family. It was um, it was a good experience for me to learn because I was able to challenge myself and see where things like I like I said, I never ran to miles before military, but going through, they definitely stretch and expand you, and they see and they grow you. And so getting out, it was exciting because they had equipped me with tools and resources and stretch me beyond what I had done. And what I was learning and getting out was, yo, not only was I able to use my skills and serve everyone else and others and see how much more I can and accomplish for others. Now it's time for me to apply these and see what I can do for myself and growing and nurturing myself. Cause to be honest, like a lot of traits in those that I had is like, let me protect others. Let me show, so sure show others that it's better to use your life to serve others. A lot of things that you get and being that protective and being that hero and trying to do those things is you forget to take care of yourself and you um, yourself gets neglected oftentimes. And then you often don't know what it's like to invest in yourself and to grow because you feel like, no, no, I'm fine. Let me take care of everyone else. But when a plane's going down, there's a reason they tell you put on your own oxygen mask before everyone else. And so it's like getting out. They make sure to tell you like, hey, here's these tools. Use this to become better. Use this to grow. Now, where what you have with honor and pride so other people can see like hey look because there's so many people that tell you negative stories horror stories about military but not too many people that tell you like it doesn't matter what it is you need to use it to do whatever you want to accomplish and accomplish don't you get used by it the same way with anything outside of it and that was my process learning it was like a lot of great leaders that were teaching me how to use the tool that i have to grow myself even more and help others grow even more because that was my whole goal and they helped me expand on that to now expand on that and help others. So that's what it was like for me. It's interesting. We do often hear a lot of horror stories about the military. And obviously, you know, for those experiences, they are true, but there are not everything is always bad. And so it's really um, it's great to hear other perspectives, other sides of it. Um, and that's cool because I've definitely heard a lot. I think I've noticed as well, just a lot of people in the military when they start entering to other ways in life it's like you can see how they walk and move and execute like there's something different about it it's like uh, it's like it's like you're unlocked in a whole new level thing but very cool so um you said you you entered the or no you left the military in 2018 was that right yeah, yeah. okay because I, I think i noticed um in one of your albums you dropped it 2018 as well right yeah okay so what got you interested in actually making music in actually putting it out because it's one thing to be like i feel like everywhere at one point in their life like yeah i'm gonna be maybe an artist maybe a singer be a rapper musician all these different things but you actually put something out you know like what what um what what kind of led you to that and inspired you to start really creating 
That was a solid question. I didn't know you looked in that. Um, that was, it was very intentional in, a, in the oddest way for me to be real. Because prior to, I had always done music and loved putting out music. But when I came out here in San Diego and a lot of my life, it was really me reflecting and um, learning the difference between like religion and relationship with my life. And like, I grew up like, yo, I go to church this day, then go out club the next day, do these things. And mindset, like, I didn't understand relationship. And so when I don't understand this relationship, relationships with others were kind of skewed for me. And so when I was out here and I started noticing growth and maturity happen, my music started reflecting different. Like, I'd have internal conflicts like, yo, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this because my music always has to be real and authentic for me. That's the only place I know to come out with. Well, I can freestyle for hours because it's just my life. And then so when I realized that I took a break, and there was times like I was like, felt like I was telling me music, marriage, military. I didn't get it. And it was just repeating. And then in the process of getting out the military, I had counseling. And it was this great counselor. Knew nothing about me. Never met me. Not even believe or didn't know about music, nothing. He sits there. I don't look like this either because I look super haircut, all that. And he's like, you know what? He's like, you need to make a symphony of life, like music. That's what you need to do. It's just calling you. Like, that's, that's what I can tell your purpose. And I'm looking at dude because, like, I'm RC fun. You can see it out nice, but military is completely different version of me. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, he has no clue. And it was weird. And it was really weird. And I was like, you know what? Cool. And it was a, it was a few months of counseling with the dude. And he gave me this book, man's search for meaning, which was, um, it went through this psychologist. It was a psychologist that had went through the Holocaust. So imagine being a skilled psychologist, then you get taken and go through the Holocaust. Now you can write a book about this perspective as a psychologist. So, like, to hear a man that's trapped in that same science and, like, mental aspect of, like, hey, I serve others, but I don't take care of myself. You can witness. It's like you're you're in a vessel of a shell, and you're just watching everything. And so to hear that and him say through music, I was like, dang, I can't I can't front that. I can't hide that because I would hear music just pop in my head randomly. Sometimes during training, you ask anyone in the military to work with me consistently, one thing was I changed it to make them sing. Like, we were singing Jody's. And places that we weren't supposed to be seeing, like the dynamic change, it just changed. And I was like, we were turning 21 Savage songs into Jody's. I loved it, man. Like, it was, that's, that was the mode. And at the end, of, even the next one, at the end of it, I was like, you know what? Maybe he's got to, he's, he's onto something. There's a pattern. I started releasing these songs, and it was some from Bonita, it was some from Theo. It was all of these songs. And it was like, I made this five part project, and I was like, I'm going to release this over time. And I was like, but this don't make sense because it's supposed to be a testimony of my life. And as a Christian artist, too, people probably denounce this. I'm like, I'm too messy to be seen as like a Lecrae or anything like that, I would feel. Because growing up, I was a little hood baby. So hood baby can't be church baby. And like, it, it didn't work for me. I look different. But that was the thing I'm supposed to look different because I'm supposed to, supposed to reflect hope for those that are living through my story, going through what I experienced. So when he was telling me that, I was like, I don't know what this means. I'm going to write it out. I started working on my symbol. Um, this is where I didn't know what it meant. I was like, I'm going to write it out. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to write it out. I just started trusting, documenting, putting it down, and it just started piecing together. Like, nothing that, even my hair, like, all this, like, it pieced together with my mental health growth. I was, like, going out, and I was listening to the counselor, and the oddest thing enough of it is music just started pouring easily. I got back to doing what I gave up because I had quit. Like, I did not want to do it, didn't enjoy it. It, was, it wasn't fulfilling for me in that way. I felt like it was tearing me away from my true purpose and the irony to see the Lord just give it back to my life now where it's like mental health is mental wealth. So I'm all like, now I'm about like, yo, what you hear and what I was listening to when I was doing negative things, like it played a part in that. It's rhythm and poetry. It was the words that were getting saturated deep within me. So if I knew these things, 
why don't I just speak this out for people that are going through things and I let them hear the other side of it? Because there's too many people not telling you both sides of the story. And I'd rather give you the full spectrum and let you decide instead of giving you a biased opinion on it. So I started getting back into music. You see Bonita, which would be like legit. Um, I was going to let people piece that together, but that's like a testimony. People start out with infidelity, stuff that you go through, struggles. But the, the truth is when you actually surrender that, people actually see now you can helpfully process that because I'm like, I don't know what it looks like when you deal with it. Now you do. So that's that's how that came about. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I think a lot about new growth and how oftentimes we kind of look to where we want to be and how we want to be perceived. Like that's what we focus on when we're not there yet. I think there's a lot of like negative thoughts and self doubt, but kind of like what you say, like just the kind of the quote unquote messiness of it. Like it's all just like a process to kind of get there, and it's all it's it's all necessary too because if you just skate through life without any struggles i mean that's great <laughs> we'd all love that i think a lot of things easier but so it, it kind of forces you to like change your perceptions on certain things and just truly understand things like i know just this journey of doing a podcast i like really learn more about myself throughout the process like i thought i was um just learning how to do this and that but every single interview i do is like a true like I'm like learning something else about myself. So that's really cool. And it's cool that um, like when you were putting that together, did you know that's what you were doing or did it just kind of happen? And then afterwards you realize like, okay, I'm really showing the whole process and having it for people to experience and reflect on their own lives. It it sounds like abstract when I like relay it because I get like pretty like I nerd out and hyper focus. Uh, what is it? Uh, super hyper focus on stuff. That was an issue. Maybe I had ADHD. Who knows? But it worked out in my favor. Um, but <laughs> the way it worked out is like I simplified it because when I came out here, got my understanding with that relationship with Christ. It was like when I say like religion relationship are different, bro. You can seriously be out there like clubbing and partying and doing things and not understanding how you're wrong and like when I wrote these songs out, I never really liked rap in, in general when I first came out like, oh, I want to be a rapper for money and status, the reason most people do. The way rap came to me was 13 and it was the oddest way. I was a baller. I was playing sports. You catch me in the gym 24-7. I'm hooping all day. doesn't matter if I'm short. Actually, now at my height, I'm like 5'7". I can go up and dunk. So, like, this is me my whole life. What happened was I was going to the youth center to play ball and my brother DJ Older brother always looked out for me. He was like, yo, 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 come in here, come in here. And they was listening to music. They were building, I think it was Sony, Sony, Sony Acid, and they were editing on the program. And I made my first beat. He's like, yo, just spit something, spit something. Freestyle, still got the first song. And it was weird. I, I played it back and it was me about my life. And from there, he was just like, hey, talk about what you're going through because I'll talk to my bro about my problems. You need that older brother, like big brother type of thing. That was my big brother. I didn't even realize he was being there for me the same way I'm trying to be for others. And he was telling me, like, yo, you know what you're going through, parents? Put that in music. Just write that down. Put that. I was like, what? This is so lame. Like, why? And I'll do it. I'll do it. I get better. My mom will find my writings. My mom would see my writings, put me in stuff for speaking and writing. I even ended up going to D.C. Um, to speak at Congress numerous times because of my writing. Like, I'm actually a public subject matter expert from, like, age 13 to, like, 21 because, like, writing and speaking to help a lot of stuff. I would go speak in Congress on behalf of military bases to try and implement funds for the fiscal year to go to military youth in spaces so we could get more programs at the installations for them. So my sister actually ended up getting instruments and programs because I would go to D.C. the years prior and fight for that money to get allocated there. So it was nuts to see that. So when I had like a friend telling me like, yo, writing, I got to see how powerful rhetoric is. 
how powerful writing is. And so when it came down to rhythm and poetry, like write down what you feel. So when it came to understanding a relationship with God, I was like, yo, music. He always said, make music, sing to your heart. Either you're going to get two things in music, someone, and it's going to be for sure. And this is a fact. Someone's always going to be searching for eternity. And then either they're going to tell you how they get it or don't get it. And so when you get music, you're either going to get that dark side of not getting it or getting it or the good side of getting it, not getting it. No matter what the table is, because that's the topic. It ends with that. Everyone has eternity. So I was like, bro, in my head, like many times I can hear this. I remember getting in trouble. How many times all the party songs would come in? I just started writing down like what the experience was, how I felt it. But then I wrote the part that people didn't talk about. Then I wrote the part that maybe there was another side I didn't see. Then I wrote down how I felt. So then when it came down to me reflecting how this whole project was going to write out, I was like, you know what? When it comes to God in this relationship, I'm just trying to make music to talk to him, get off my chest. I was like, let me just tell the truth. This testimony. I got to confess my sins. I tell the truth. Too many people out here faking the music and too many people fail in music because they faking the music. But the ones that do really good, whether it's bad or bad or good top content, they're telling the truth. They can tell you they committed a murder. As long as they tell the truth, you're going to like it. They can tell you they just robbed somebody. As long as the truth, you're going to like it because nobody likes fake. So when I wrote these projects, I'm like, man, I've been quiet for my whole life. I've been a hobbit. I like to conceal. But I've been writing this whole time for years. I've been filming for years. Just insecurities, just self-doubt just makes you not want to put it out there. You you feel negative, negative about yourself and you feel like you need to reach a certain level of status to be considered um, actually worthy to put it out and for people to take you serious on your content incredible. And so you think you need that certain status for credibility. And instead I was like, forget all that for the one time in my life. I was like, this is just me writing what I'm going through. If I look back years now, I need to be able to listen to this and be encouraged and remember where I came from. I stopped writing about everyone else and started writing. Like if I could write to 13 year old me, what would I need to know? If I could write to older me 10 years from now, what would I need to know? That's the most important part. Because no matter what, it could be 99% of the people in this world hate me and 7 billion people in this world. That means at least there's 77 million that still are going to rock with this and it ain't even about them, but this will help them. So that was my perspective going into it. I knew like it's going to take me time to release it, but I had recorded. I went into the booth and did like 20 songs that week. And then I, I'll go in a session and knock out like 15 songs in one because I already wrote them out in one day. Then I'll produce the beats the next day. Then I'll knock them out. And I'll sit. So when it came down to the project, I was like, I'm just going to tell the truth and put that out in testimony and see how it comes down. And it was really a longer one. And I just broke it, separated it and themed it. So there's still like more to be released over now from 20 to 24. But the reality is I learned in 2020 with the mental health journey, you know, like, oh, let me be out more instead of seclusive. I realized something that Dave Chappelle learned, like, too many people, when you give them stuff up front, they can't really process it. It's healthy. They need time to digest it. So you have to kind of pull it back and let them handle it or else they're going to get this abstract, raw view of you. So now it's like, here's all my music and that's all they're going to get up front. And until they're able to look back, like somehow you went through and looked and you said, hey, yo, I looked at the year. I saw the year. And I was like, yeah, that was intentional. Everything's intentional. I even put intentional things in those videos that were highlighting the upcoming year. And I even made it a movie for the next year because someone is going to be like me and go back and be like, is this all connected and be like, yeah, it's literally a story. So that that's the reason why that came out. It wasn't intentionally to be like, oh, it's a project. But it's like, I know the truth about life is we're always going to be searching for eternity until somebody finds out, hey, it's eternity that you're searching for and you ain't going to find it here on temporary. Then you need to start talking and focusing on eternity because everything I can see is temporary. 
So if I'm focused on eternity, like how do I treat people? How do I feel when somebody leaves? I forget their name, but I don't forget how they I felt with them. Why is that? Why don't I focus on that? And so if I start getting people more focused on that, and if I focus on that, my work will just attract me, and that's low-key been the process. Hey, I'm taking a quick break to share something new with y'all. If you now go to bosslogs.org, you can leave us a voice message. That's right. If you want to be a part of the show without being a full-on guest, all you have to do is go to the contact page, click the button below, and voila, magic. Leave us a voice message, call it magic. Yo, 50 points if you can get that reference. <laughs> but um, anyways, I added this because I want Boss Locks to not only be a place for myself and my guests to express ourselves, but basically a place for you to share your thoughts, questions, and experiences too. I mean, Boss Locks came from me asking questions, and I want to extend that opportunity to you too. So whether it's a question about natural hair, the black experience, how we even created this show, or even if you just want to say what's up, you know, leave us a message by going to bosslocks.org slash contact and click the button to start leaving us a message. Thank you, and I'll back to our show. So how, I mean, you, you kind of already mentioned it before, but I'm kind of curious as far as like you looking forward, knowing everything that you know and everything that you experienced. Um, what does eternity look like for you over the next five, ten years? Like what, what are you looking for, fighting for, really striving for? Um, to be honest, I'm going off. Like <laughs> if that's anywhere I can put it, like um, – it's going to be a lot of reflecting hope. Like I see when it comes to like um, future wise, like my next five to 10 years, I, I see whatever I had to relate to in the past wise, history wise to pull from like um, sense of like, what you'll say is like, okay, I'm going to go out on a path, right? Say you're going to go to the store, grocery store. And you know, on the grocery store, the same way you go every day, you're like, hey, I'm going to probably see some humans walking, I'm going to see some dogs, I'm going to see some cars, I'm going to see some trees, some birds. Same thing as usual. Um, except for this time, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to the store, but I'm going to a different store. And this time, I don't know what's on this path. I'm not expecting to see people. I'm not expecting to see cars. I'm not expecting to see trees. I'm just expecting to go. And so when it comes to the next four years, I'm like, I honestly know my next plan is just to reflect hope strongly restore my community strongly strive for greatness strongly so what that means is me striving for greatness all these things come with that but the way i strive for greatness is encouraging others and helping others to reach their own greatness because me i don't like to think of myself as like oh, i'm this and that but i'm like i like hyping other people up to see their full potential because the thing is i never saw my potential that people saw in me growing up and they saw me able to reach that and, and meet it but now when I see other people's like, I see so much potential and stuff that I'm like, yo, they're going to skyrocket dope if they just double down. So if I can encourage them the same way, like, for example, I have my cousin Desiree encourage me in my life. If I can do that for them in that same way, they're going to achieve much greater things. So when to bring back to your question, coming in um, off topic, like I, I see the next few years in the future and focusing on eternity, looking like hope, looking like a lot more of community engagement and realizing who they are comfortable with being 
opposed to what others are comfortable with them being. Because at the end of the day, conformity and compromise lead too far to us being comfortable with what is temporary. But when you are not focused on compromise and being comfortable, eternity gets put more into perspective. So when I'm comfortable with what I know, going to the store, I see these cars, I see these trees, I see these dogs. I don't expect to see a T-Rex. I don't expect to see a spaceship. I don't expect to see this. I don't expect to see the ground shaking. Why is everything going weird? This is too off for me. I just wanted to go to the store and you're like, you know what? You're on a different path. You're going to see some stuff most people don't see. You're going to experience some things most people don't experience. But when you're focusing on light of eternity, not temporary, that's the way it goes. Too many people are focused on like history repeats itself. So why is it that history keeps wanting to repeat itself when people keep trying to do things? Well, ah, this is just a story of that. Or remember this story because there's nothing new under the sun. So if nothing's new under the sun and you keep seeing things repeat itself, why don't I see somebody try something different? Because I already know that's considered madness. That's considered crazy. Too many people strive to do what the next man is doing instead of doing what they know is right and what they feel is right. But when you see that, what do you get? These enigmas. You get these random acts where it's like, oh, somebody's Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. But is it really that? It's just you start seeing more people accept what they already accepted because they're making you aware of what they've all been aware of or else you wouldn't agree to what they're agreeing on. So hints of like, say, for example, we're talking about um, when it comes to hair and passing the Crown Act and having this stuff and natural hair, just having hair discrimination being a topic. Most people be like, oh, would that even be a thing? Why is that necessary? Until one person starts speaking up, then another person starts speaking up, then more people start speaking up. And then they're like, well, this isn't this isn't new normal, but that was a whole new normal. And this path looks different than that path. And now it's a whole different world that we're in. And we're like, yo, I didn't even know this was an option. But it's like. What were you focused on? Were you focused on temporary staying in this norm comfortable? Or if you were focused on eternity, I got past what people look like. I got past what I felt about what they look like. I started focusing on what was more important because I don't remember what they look like. I don't remember their name, but I remember how they made me feel. So let me see what I can focus on in light of eternity because that lasts. So you start being like, oh, let's work on this instead of, oh, grooming in this way. It's like you start applying eternity thinking towards every layer like, hey, when it comes to my core values, when it comes to my mission, business statement, when it comes to my beliefs and the product I'm putting out, eternity or temporary? Oh, I just want to make X, Y, Z. Oh, that's temporary. Oh, I just want to make X, Y, Z. That's temporary. Like, I just want to hit a number for money. I just want to make this house. Or instead, if you start thinking of eternity, I'd rather build out a community that can create other communities. And you're like, why? I don't know. I just want a community that can self-replicate and just create hope. And you're like, oh, that's thinking in light of eternity instead of someone like, I just want to build a whole city that's mine. And you're like, what for? There's no purpose. It was only temporary. So that's what I see is like me seeing what it looks like for me and, and spiriting it is going to be the same way what I did in the military did for the kids is, hey, I see him doing that. I could probably do that better my way. Let me see what this looks like for me and reflect it my way and replicate it because the same way discrimination and violation feels different for everyone and everyone experiences that differently, the same way success is going to. And the same way victory is going to because your success is not the same as mine. Your victory is not the same as mine. So your road and your path to it is not going to be the same way as mine. And when somebody has something successful, like, man, like, for example, me, I used to speak in D.C. and go to Congress all the time. Saying it now, that was successful. But the path, man, it was scary. Like, there was times, like, I didn't know where I'm going or I got to go to D.C. Who are these people? Oh, man, that's the president. How do I eat with a soup spoon? Which spoon is the right spoon? Because I don't want to come off disrespectful or improperly educated because where I'm from, because I don't know how to eat food, but I know how to put food in my mouth or necessarily start thinking like that. And it's that's the reality. It's untold things, the untalked about things because we're too focused on temporary. 
but if I was focused on eternity, I'd get there. So that's what that looks like. More people witnessing others switch from temporary to eternity and being like, let me see what it looked like for me and just seeing what that looks like. That is dope. There was a, a quote I remember seeing when I was in either high, yeah, I think high school because I was helping someone put together this campaign and it was, um, you know, what they see is what they believe. And it was a picture of these black doctors out here and they're basically saying, you know, they, they took this picture so that kids could see black people who were doctors as a profession and doing it well. And that's always stuck with me and kind of some of the inspiration for boss locks and everything is because I truly do believe like we, and it kind of talks about like um, fits what you were saying about kind of being in your comfort zone. It just happens naturally. I think as humans, we try to become comfortable, but then we just get used to that normal and that's the way things are. But when we start kind of breaking that kind of reality and showing like, Oh no, this is also an option. You could go this way or that way. You don't just have to do this. You can make it look how, um, look, make your life look how you want it to look basically. And I think it's really dope that that's what you're doing and using hope along with that, because there's a lot of things to you can take away your hope. Like I'm kind of a naturally optimistic person, but even with that, there's still times I'm like, man, like, like I know um, when I was first starting this, so I start, so I launched this in this year, 2020, but I started speaking to people and talking about it in 2016 and my first official interview in 2017. I had a few others, but never launched it. Cause I was like, I mean, I'm the only one talking about this. Maybe I'm just crazy. It's in my head kind of things like that. And it took up until last year to really start taking more seriously and then putting it out this year and all throughout that process. Like I don't really see it happening. Maybe it's just crazy. Not, not the right thing or no one cares, but um, kind of speaks to what you were saying. Like it's sometimes you are that only person and it's uncomfortable, but just keep going. I really, I really like that. That's what you're doing with your, um, I'm like, and I think that's the main testimony to why I wanted to um, collab on this because, like, in realness, like, I didn't want to do interviews. Like, that's not part of like my thing. Not even on my um, <laughs> my quarters or schedule coming out to do interviews. But I'm like, when I did see that, I was like, um, my me, <laughs> like, restoring that community, supporting black home businesses, supporting others in the community, and supporting their endeavors. And like, I saw that what you were doing. I was like, yo, that's solid. And to start that in a pandemic is a reflection of your character in that way to be. Honest, like to do this when most people were like, oh, now I can't or I'm confirmed. I'm like, boy, you in a hyperbolic time chamber. You got more time than anyone in the world. This does not exist. Take advantage of it. What did you do when a crisis hit? Because kids are going to look back years from now and be like, what did you do then? Because everything's fine now. So if you would have known it was going to be fine now, what did you do then? And it's like to see stuff that people are aspiring and striving for greatness in the midst of that. You doing the boss box, you sticking to it saying to it, we're on the cusp of hair discrimination, the Crown Act being passed nationally. This is important. This is needed. It's cool when we look back and listen to the World War II radios and the stations then. Nobody was giving them radios. What if someone was like, the world's over, we're just going to get bombed anyway. I'm not going to document this. There would have been nothing. But now when I'm looking at boss locks and stuff, thinking about it, it's like, you have to look at it. When I went through hair discrimination in California, first state that ever passed it, didn't even know it was passed, didn't even know hair discrimination was thing because military is always clean cut, got to shave my face. And to know that I needed it, and I'm like, whoa, everyone else needs to know the importance of it before it even hits them so they don't experience it and to be like, nah. So now we got some like boss locks. Guarantee you in history, once this is a national law and this passed everywhere, they're like, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being a voice for people when most people didn't care, when most people didn't listen to us, when most people didn't hear. Because at the end of the day, same right, I was looking through evaluating my music videos, for example. You went back and checked the video sets. I was like, cool. I was not going to talk about none of my music on this um, podcast or anything like it. Just keep it hair focused because um, too many people see like 
when you have something happen to you in tragedy, I see too many people switch that and gimmick it. When they don't realize the difference between a brand and a gimmick and a brand that's too truly saturated in my identity and knowing who I am, because that's how you do it. Will Smith is a brand because of his identity. That's how you use his name, like all that stuff. He's not a gimmick. But so when it comes down to seeing like boss lots and understanding the importance of it, I looked at my videos, I was like, ain't nobody watching my music videos? You see the production in one of these? Or I used to look at view counts and I used to want numbers and I was like, what was the point? And it used to be like, I used to say it, is I could reach one person. I was like, Lord, let me reach one person that's going through what I was going through just so it can change and impact their life. That's all I wanted. And I mentor this kid from the age of, I think, 13, 14. He has to tell me he just graduated high school. So it's been five, six years. And he's like, yeah, I know you since like middle school, seventh grade. And I was like, what? From seventh grade to high school. But my life and walking life with me doing music, he's gifted in music, beyond talented in music. His name is Swoosh. Genius. I love this kid. He can sing. He can rap. He can produce. And he can dance. He can do all that. And, and beatbox, too. He's cra- He's gifted. And it's like, what's crazy is like, that was the one kid that constantly reminds me like, hey, watching you was a reflection of hope for me. And that's all I needed. That's all I need. I can put out my content for him to see because as long as he's changing, that's all I need. He can go on inspiring billions and millions where I don't need. But if I wasn't doing that for him, who is? So the same way you're doing this and this platform, like, I love locks. Your hair is long. I was like, bro, lock journey is dope. I used to always want locks. I used to not be a grow mine. I'll be hitting two years in November on mine. And, and it's beautiful. To see this. That's why when you said the 21st, I was like, yo, that's wild. That was the day um, that I went to boot camp. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Uh, I always love lots. So it's it's cool to see that growth and stuff. So I'm like, you striving and keep doing this. Not about now and the temporary focus, but what you got is a whole thing focused on eternity and changing that. And that's the whole concept and the whole goal. And and that's what changes people's thinking. Is too many people's thoughts are temporary concepts. We need need more eternity type concepts. That's what the Twilight Zone was. Eternity concepts, not temporary concepts. That's what Dave Chappelle was. Eternity concepts, not temporary concepts. Those are what make people stick out. It's when they start talking about eternity, not temporary. And those are when you notice people actually stand out culturally in differences. Martin Luther King, Kennedy, Tupac, Biggie. That's the difference. Who starts talking about that and when does it switch? And then when you see something drastically go bad, when does society be like, nah, we're not comfortable with that eternity. We just want to hear it. And that's not why I see a switch, but I think we're at a point where we could actually not finally switch to be like, no, nah, let's stick with temporary. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And um also appreciate that too. Yeah, like um I, I feel like they're kind of the same way. Like if you could just touch one person, or even if it's just yourself, if you kind of grow from that, then that's that's success. Like like you said, uh you said uh the kid his name swoosh, is that what you said? Whoosh, um, F-W-O-O-S-H. Whoosh. I will shout out to you, man. Shout out to you. I'm going to check you out after this. That's just like, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's important. I think like we always kind of think about kind of like you mentioned, like the, the things that are kind of temporary, those status things, but those things can just go away, come back, go away. All these ups and downs. When you start thinking about eternity, like that's when you build something that lasts, you know, that's that never goes away. Like you have songs out there from years ago that just still, it's, it's, um, what's it called? Still relatable and everything. And, um, I know you put out something, um, related to the crown act and everything in that song. And that's kind of like really cool, like really documenting that period in time. And I think you touched a little bit in that song about your experiences too. So I want to, um, take a second to really, um, dive into that moment for you where you kind of experienced hair discrimination and why you, uh, made a decision to cut your hair and everything. So can you share a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So the irony that you mentioned that Crown Act song, 
when I wrote that, it's like my brother DJ always told me, like, put it in poetry, write it out. And counseling is always write it out. They always tell me, write it out. And I don't like to write letters. Counseling actually tells you to write letters to get stuff out. But I'm a poet and I found out like I write poems, like poetry, like that's how I write my letters. And there's actually books, collections, that's how people do. And so I wrote out poem, like how I felt, what was on my chest in that crown act. Actually, that was a freestyle. That was a freestyle because I don't have the lyrics to it. Cause that's normally how I do, because I was thinking about um Three Kings, because I wrote up Three Kings how I felt. That was a freestyle because I was really feeling it. And I don't have the lyrics to it. That's what the issue was. And um this current, yeah, because I remember I heard my voice yelling in my head, I'm gonna give you what you really want. Uh this kind of like, <laughs> um so that whole process was like um without diving too much into it because legalities, but I came one to transition into work-life balance. I'm really focused on work-life balance and establishing that, especially with independency. And when you have independency, most people need work-life balance. It doesn't matter if you're military full-time, like if you're working in retail, anything, and if you're independent, work-life balance. And so when I was there, um, fortunately, I was put in a situation where the Crown Act, thankfully, was passed prior to, was able to protect me, but I was put in a situation where I was harassed, being violated, and it actually, let me see, I was like, the Crown Act came into place because it put in the spots where when you're violated, and you're feeling vulnerable, the last thing you want to do is go and try and fight for yourself, defend for yourself. You need legal counsel. You need somebody to do that because you need to heal. And while you're trying to focus on healing and figuring out what's going on, it's like if you were putting your concussion grenade and everything just blows up, everything's jarring, you're disoriented, you're trying to figure out what's going on in life. So for me and my life, me and my wife living off in the hood in Imperial and 30th um, in San Diego, and <laughs> I mean, I'm – I'm over in Logan Heights in um, San Diego and it's, it's cool. And I'm working there, but what's going on is I'm dealing with a lot of mental stresses in my personal life. And now at work, there's, there's stresses going there. And so when I'm saying there's work-life balance and most people don't take care of, you take care of physical health, but emotional health is a thing, mental health. And so when you have employers that are so don't have work-life balance and you have general managers that don't focus on work-life balance, they can, unrealistically not unreal how do I say it they can unconsiderately bleed their personal life into work and take things out on you and the same way people can do that and so when you think of that I never want to demonize people and think that everyone's just vicious vicious and they're evil and they're all out there for some reason with that optimism trait I'd rather give people the benefit of the doubt and let people recover and deep be restored because I know I've had failures in life and I'd rather see people be redeemed over time whether it take them years, four years, five years and being discriminated in the workplace revealed this the same way success looks different for everyone and victory looks different, discrimination comes different and it's so unexpected and you don't even know when it's about to hit you don't know what it's going to look like all you know is when it's there is the violation hits, the, the uncertainty hits the unknowingness of like, yo, what makes it worse at the workplace instead of being violated? Because you get violated at home, something else, anywhere, car accident that happens, but at workplace, it's now it violates and it voids. Because now it's like, I'm going to take away your way to provide for your family. I'm going to take away your stability. And you start wondering what's going to happen. And now you don't only feel vulnerable and exposed, you feel like everything's going to just crack under pressure. And what will the companies do? They will turn it on you. 
because systemic oppression way works is they are protected way systemically protected. So when it comes to stuff like grooming policies, things that don't exist, because I never knew prior to growing out my locks, hair discrimination was a thing. Why would it need to be a thing? Because military brat, be a military child, when you're a brat, that doesn't mean like they're spoiled. Military brats just dependent. And what it means it used to be like bold, resilient, um, affirmative, tenacious. That's what it was a term for. Um, and like, I was like, I got to say it like most people don't know, but I'm like, but when you hear that, what that means is like, I have to look a certain way. That means I remember there's actually lines like, I couldn't wear my hat to the side. Some don't want to come off as a gang member. Don't want your hair to look crooked. Don't want too many flashes. People forget my family's from outside Chicago and Royal Illinois. Like it was, it was heavy. So me having two slashes here, three slashes, that's dangerous. You having parts here, that's dangerous certain spots. The way you talk to certain people, but they won't know if you move out of a certain neighborhood. So when you have things like now, what is dangerous according to somebody else? What's business or professional considering somebody else? Now, let's apply these concepts and when you move and demographically and get geographically dispersed, what is considered professional to somebody else? What is business considered to somebody else? Is it unprofessional to you that somebody has locks, that somebody has braids, that somebody looks this way? And so now when I bring that back and I look at discrimination, now I'm like, yo, I never thought discrimination would look like this. I never thought it would feel like this. Now, not only do I know it, it's like, how do I communicate to others that aren't here, that aren't going through what I'm going through, that don't live here, that I am being violated? And how do I communicate it to them, translate that I'm being violated? And that's scary. And that's, and that's, and that's odd. And it makes you realize something. Yo, especially as a black man, I need legal counsel in my life. Why haven't I always had legal counsel? I should get a lawyer free in my life. I need this. Can someone teach me how to operate this? What are the laws in this? Why isn't there anything protecting me? And what that discrimination process did for me was reveal what a lot of people have been going through for so many years in silence that I had no clue about, that I would have been none the wise about until I experienced it because it's difficult to understand one's tragedy until that tragedy befalls you or a loved one. And with that being real, hearing a female tell me that, oh, yo, they discriminated on my hair because they said my hair doesn't look right. If I'm a dude and my hair's always shaved and always cut and I don't have locks, I'm like, yo, I can't relate. Maybe it is. But then, like, when you're a dude and you go and you're like, yo, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. They will figure out a way to tell you you do not belong here systemically. It won't even be your hair today. It'll be there because that's how systemic oppression works. It'll layer itself in different ways. Today, it'll be your hair. Today, next day, it'll be the color. Next day, it'll be the length. Next day, it'll be the styling because they're focused on temporary. But if they were focused on eternity or in the workplace, it'd be like, outside of that, when you close your eyes and I'm working with you, what changes? Nothing. If I'm working remote, what changes? Nothing. And it's like, that's focused on eternity. And it's like, I realized in that discriminating environment when I had to get legal counsel, when I had to get a lawyer, when I had to defend myself, when I gave people benefits of the doubt, when I was optimistic, when I waited for the companies to do the right things and nothing happened, I realized I did not have power to change or control any of them. I have power to control what I do and what I see. And when I used to be like, man, I want to see change, I realized something has changed. I need to be the change I want to see. So with that doing, I was like, I realized from that discrimination situation, what I have to do is actually, I can't change my work spot so I can't work here but I can change the complete world in which this job is placed in and people don't think like that like sure a company an employer can hire me and think like these I don't want you to work here because you look like this or whatever or we can make you conform to this but what happens once society changes outside of there because they don't have work-life balance what happens when you get discriminated in work that means work-life balance is not happening for somebody in place of leadership there 
and and that's out of check. So you have to balance that and restore balance. So if you're balanced and you restore balance, you know what else can get control? The society you live in. You can affect that life in that world they work in outside of work. They don't control what you do outside of work. I can go and make music and songs and change the way people think culturally about how you walk into the workplace. I can go make an anthem today that'll change how people view. And if I market and promote it right, we can guarantee like going to national anthem hit people, we can guarantee you ain't gonna discriminate nobody else. Or they're gonna look at you weird for discriminating somebody else. It might take a while, but I guarantee I'll get that. So that discrimination process, when I went through that, what it revealed to me was, hey, there's multiple ways I'm vulnerable, but everyone else has been vulnerable. But now that you experienced it, reflect hope for those people that are going through it the same way that you learn. Use those same schools and technique. Apply it the same way as always, just quicker. And this time I was quicker with it. I'm on it. And now I'm going to keep doing that. What doesn't want to matter what happens. So when it hits the hair, yo, here's my crown app. Here's how a freestyle happens. Here's how, like, I'll do an interview about it, talking about it, reflecting hope to realize, hey, this happened to me about a year ago, but guarantee you, whoever goes through discrimination, you might not be working in a retail place like me or go through exactly how, but I want you to know that when it happens to you, that that is your opportunity to change and reflect hope. And it's not your fault that you were being violated. It's not your fault you were being, you were vulnerable and that everything is happening to you. And you are not wrong for being you and growing and maturing in your identity and to grow. You are only wrong if you let them control you and actually don't want to change and grow because you're going to feel the regret of knowing that you wronged yourself, the opportunity to become more and letting others control you and hold that leash. Because the truth is, if you don't do it and control it, you're just going to be slave to somebody else. But I'd rather be free to my own self. That's all I, I'm out here this year. Um, I saw one of the questions was, what has been the greatest personal, professional um, accomplishment journey? And it was establishing independency um, professionally and personally and being dependable consistently because what that looks like independency, I want more youth to learn one of the greatest things you can ever do professionally or, or personally both is establish independence. And the closer that you get to establishing and understanding independency, I can own my own business here at home, but guarantee when I go, if I work for anyone else, I know how they can, can and can't treat me because I operate my own business. I'm not just a worker. I'm an employer. I'm independent. I know how independency works. So what I, my takeaway from that whole situation was, man, this was unfortunate, but I know what I can do is teach everyone else how to think closer to how I can when it comes to going through traumatic or um, horrible experiences like that. Hey, I'm taking a quick break to share something new with y'all. If you now go to bosslogs.org, you can leave us a voice message. That's right. If you want to be a part of the show without being a full-on guest, all you have to do is go to the contact page, click the button below, and voila, magic. Leave us a voice message, call it magic. Yo, 50 points if you can get that reference. <laughs> but um, anyways... I added this because I want Boss Locks to not only be a place for myself and my guests to express ourselves, but basically a place for you to share your thoughts, questions, and experiences too. I mean, Boss Locks came from me asking questions, and I want to extend that opportunity to you too. So 
Whether it's a question about natural hair, the black experience, how we even created this show, or even if you just want to say what's up, you know, leave us a message by going to bosslocks.org slash contact and click the button to start leaving us a message. Thank you and now back to our show. One question I'd like to ask everybody, I'd like to ask it to you as well. I think you already kind of did answer it. Um without knowing but i want to see like what i want to see how you um respond to this question like how how would you define professionalism or what does it mean to you um it's kind of how you conduct yourself in business and it shouldn't be anything outside of that yeah that's the issue It is. I think, um, yeah, sometimes I think like, like if we were invisible and stepping in, like everyone in the workplace was invisible, but still able to work and communicate and all that, it really wouldn't matter what people look like from the clothes you wear to how you grow your hair, all the above. It really has nothing to do with the results that you bring. And I really liked what you were saying about the work-life balance, because that is something that um, is abused, I think, especially in the workplace. And I, I honestly never thought about people in leadership when there is a environment work like balances often because the leaders, the managers, whoever is, um, supposed to be in charge of what the culture is like, it's probably that they themselves don't have a good work life balance. And that ends up coming out on other people. Cause I know, um, there's something as simple as like taking the day off. That's like you are ridiculed for that. You make feel like you are unworthy. Um, it's it's you're not here to really commit. You're not a part of it. Like I remember I was criticized um, for taking some Fridays off. Like it was consistent. It wasn't like every single Friday, but it was like I had these days to take off. I communicated them. I'm going to take it off. Some of them were just half days too. So I was still there, but it's like all these little, they were something that we feel are little things. And kind of like you were saying, um, how this like system is it's set up so that we feel as though we're wrong. Um, and I think oftentimes when you are just that one person or by yourself, you're like the, maybe the one black person in the workplace and something happens, like when it comes to criticizing your hair or the way you present yourself, the way you work, where you do something and they, they're criticizing that you feel as though, okay, they're not criticizing anyone else. I must be doing something wrong, but I really liked what you said. Like you're only wrong if, um, if you let them basically really cool you that and it is tough i think to kind of take some action against it but um i love what you said and i hope anyone listening like really kind of feels um just seeing that you actually are someone who's i guess in real time kind of in the process of doing something about some wrong that was done to you but just kind of seeing that it is possible i think is really dope because i think for a lot of people they may not feel like they have any options so i really appreciate you sharing all of that Thank you. And to be, be real, like to say like how seeing me reflect that, I had to see a reflection of that at first. And it was carry on Washington and much love to this brother because his story had first, I had learned about it months before I had even experienced anything um, similar. It was he had got denied a job at Six Flags, I believe in Florida, because they told me he would have to cut his locks. And I'm like, what? But seeing that, and this man, he did it. He said, Wayne, he was actually able to get a job. He got hired a modeling contract. And I was like, praise the Lord for that, man, because, like, let him keep his look to push that and be that reflection because him doing that, I had to tell him, I was like, yo, thank you. I reached out to him and told him thank you because, I, like I said, hearing a female say it, um, my mom owned a hair salon before in Alaska before. I seen hair. I seen beauty. Like, 
I've always known that as a female aesthetic. I've had different hairstyles from comb overs my life to the curls, but at the same time, I've known like, hey, whatever they say goes. So for me to see a man go through hair discrimination and stand up about that in the workplace, that was a first. That was bold. If he didn't do that, I don't, I don't know what I would have had to tell me that I was right and to tell me that what I'm going through is wrong. I needed someone to see that. So he was definitely the first reflection for me. And I told him, thank you, because that brother was a warrior. I needed to see that it is okay to be a warrior in this because at the same time, I'm trying to, like, work life balance. I'm like, hey, I'm from the military. I don't want to appear too, like, oh, I just, I'm not changing my hair for nobody because what do they do? Angry black men. And, that, and that's the sad ploy. It's like there's so many different ways they can cop out to just to denounce the fact that you have emotions and feelings that need to be acknowledged and respected the same way as everyone else's. So when I saw that brother stand up, I was like, you know what? I can stand my ground respectfully and stand my rights and justice and right. So thank you for that. But I was like, I definitely acknowledge that's the, that's definitely the main point of me speaking, not being silent, getting outside of my comfort zone, doing speaking stuff about that is because if I didn't see that reflection, how would I know? And I'm like, I don't know who's going to see this reflection, but yo, just so you know, like you not wrong, go get help, legal counseling. They do pro bono. It's wrong for them to discriminate you a hundred percent. Speaking about hair and everything, so you've had your lockdown for two years, um, and I guess your mom had a salon, which is really cool. So I guess you've always been around different types of hairstyles. But um, what really inspired you to start locks? Start your locks. So when I started my locks, it was about two years ago after the military. I had multiple styles before. Like I said, I had a comb over prior to the military. It was hard. One of the only dudes in San Diego you'd ever meet with the the hard part and the comb over. It was cold. <laughs> um, when what made me start my lock journey was I needed something to reflect a celebration of life for me. I needed hope, like to celebrate that. And when you look at locks, there's a bunch of individual strands united together in unity, and they reflect that unity. And so when I started my locks, I needed something that I could see that was going to reflect unity and growth. And to be like, yo, this is two years, like, that's so much unity and growth over time. And it's just like an encouraging reflection to like constantly remember that. Like when I see yours, like when I see all the brothers, I'm like, yo, this is a thing. Like it, it's, it, it grows with me. It's encouraging. Like I, it's, it's empowering in a way to see, see my locks in that reflection. And I'm like, I don't. My wife jokes, I was like, I used to switch my hairstyles a lot, but I'm like, I think I found the one. And I was like, I'm not switching this, at least for like five years. I don't know. I don't know what it looked like, but that's that's the beauty of growth is like, uh, I love it. And it grows with me and it does things with me. It's its own personality. I encourage others to do it. I always wanted locks when I was a kid. My mom never let me get locks. It was like, but granted, military brat growing up and the things we learned and time-wise back then and not getting braids. I wanted the little Bow Wow braids. Never could get the Bow Wow braids, right? Like, Gosh, bro. Imagine I was a baller playing like Mike, and then I started rapping. Come on. How could I not go that route? Couldn't get the Bow Wow braids? And so, thank you. She saved my hairline, though. But I was like, Grant, she could pull that thing back. I don't care. I would I would have been okay with it. Um, <laughs> but um, I think she did try once, too. She pulled it way too back. I even did the little bees. Like, I did hairstyles. But um, with my lock journey, it was, it was definitely um, I needed something to be a reflection of me. Everything's a reflection. My hair is a reflection of me. And out of all the styles, this is definitely one of the dopest reflections of my life and what I'm going through and how I'm living my life for sure. All right. So um, I have just two more questions for you. 
because um, really I could just probably talk to you like a whole day, but to respect the time and everything. And I think we gave, we gave the listeners a lot. This is a really very full episode. So um, um, first question is how can everybody find you? Um, any social media, it'll be my name, Rival, R-H-Y-V-A-L. I think TikTok's the only one where it's an S at the end, but it's Rival. All right. And is there anything else that you would like to touch on before we go? Um, not much. I just really hope people take away from this to go out and reflect out. Oh, if anyone does like these shirts, it's like literally only thing you will see consistently. I, I thought of like how businessmen used to wear the same black shirt every day, but I'm like, I just want mine to reflect hope. But honestly, I, my goal is to see hope on every single corner, like the stop sign. Cause I see too many signs that can tell us to stop, but I don't see hope. So I just wonder what that would just do to the mind visually to see these black owned business. I do my own products. I actually buy this while my own self, like whole products, producting, going to um, distribution and all that. So I'm teaching other youth how to do that themselves. So yeah, you want to join the movement and join me as pioneer, go to rival.com and get you your apparel. But at the end of the day, this shirt is not the reflection of hope. This shirt is just a commitment for you to be a reflection of hope when wearing it. And that's the goal. Like I want people to wear it, get the conviction like, yo, I got to reflect hope. Cause when I was posting this on Instagram, and I was running ads as kid that actually come. He said, yo, what is a hope shirt supposed to do for me? Like, I hope I don't get shot going out today. And that's the whole point is like, I'm from that. I'm working with that. I, I live that like, they don't see hope. And that's sad. Like they don't. So I'm like, yeah, I do need somebody wearing this shirt. So he does see, he's like, you won't get shot on me. I am out here with you. I'm changing the block for you. I'm changing the community. So if y'all want to be a part of that, get down with that rival.com. That's, that's the way it's going to be on your block one way or another. Get it soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's dope. Yeah, it's like a commitment and a communication tool as well. Just by wearing that shirt, that's really cool. Because that's a, that's a pretty cool design. You can't you can't not stop and look at. It. You may not say something, but you're gonna look at that, and it's gonna be stuck in your mind just from the design and the just as simple as the word hope itself. That, that carries a lot. So that's really cool, man. That's really cool. I just want money in the bank. Have no time for them. We just pray and say amen. Boys since way back when I just want money in the bank. Now that is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Boss Locks Podcast, where we redefine professionalism, elevate black voices, and prove that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, if you enjoyed today's show and want to get to know our guest a little bit more, check out the links in the, in the description. You'll go to our website. You'll see all the different places where you can connect with our guests. And while you're there, Go ahead and check out the rest of your site. You know, if you're a first-time listener, this is the best place to learn more about Boss Locks and everything that we've got going on. And also in the description will be a link on how to support our show. That's right. You know, I know you've been asking for a while about the best the best ways to support our show and i've dropped a few things here and there but i finally put together a little something on our site with all the different ways that you can support us by joining the boss lots village which is our patreon page um, joining the working wall black group and just continuing to spread the message matter of fact if you want to know the best way to support our show is by telling a friend to tell a friend i mean it's um this, these are shows with a lot of gems and advice that I truly feel will help people um, pursue growth, whether you're a black professional or not. This is information that's basically free game and 
I think um, the more people who hear it, the more people who will be able to help really support the change that we need today and in the future. So once again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday for our next episode. Grab the bro, cause I don't even see them. Shout the family, cause I need them. Yeah, I need them. If I pull up in the German, I I want the best version. Tryna kill bills like Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. Money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank. I just want.